podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. High tempo, high quality, relentless and eventually ruthless. Eric Ten Hag's Manchester United produced their best performance of the season and maybe their best for a number of years to sweep aside top four rivals Tottenham 2-0. Old Trafford was at its buoyant best under the midweek lights as a glowing performance showed United fans a glimpse, and only a glimpse for now, of what we all hoped life under Ten Hag might produce. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast from me, Jack Tate, and I'm delighted to say that I'm joined this week by George Smith of the Manchester Evening News and the Championship Chat podcast. George, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I think it's fair to say uh, you managed to pick a great match to talk about. Yeah, it certainly seems so. Jack, thanks for having me on. It's uh, great to join you for this one and uh, certainly a good game to reflect on last night. Uh, a superb performance. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, I think you're a, you're a little bit of a good luck charm, mate, because I mentioned it uh, over Twitter that you messaged about a minute before Fred's goal saying, you know, going well, let's see if United can get a goal. And immediately Fred goes up the other end and puts it in the net. Yeah, he's certainly timed that one well, didn't I? But um, yeah, it, it was brilliant performance on Wednesday evening from United. The best I think we've seen under Eric Ten Hag so far and hopefully the, the sign of very good things to come. Before we get into chatting about Fred, United's tactical setup, Anthony, Casemiro and much more besides, here are some quick thoughts from Harry after the game, as well as some sounds from inside Old Trafford against Spurs, featuring a chant for a very popular Brazilian around Manchester. into the future of an Eric Ten Hag load Manchester United what a brilliant performance and an enjoyable one too from start to finish I just enjoyed watching United play I relished the energy and intensity with which every player on the pitch plays the regular moments of great vision and passing the speed of the passing the brave balls between the lines the direct running of Anthony uh, even a nutmeg from Fred later on it's a beautiful one touch football win dangerous areas as well and once United really clicked into gear in the 20th minute of, or around that mark winning felt like a inevitability this was controlled domination against a top quality opposition and as against Newcastle and here to be fair better finishing could have taken this to another level and in this case to a route United uh, coming into this game needed Old Trafford onside after 180 minutes of good football but only one late scrappy goal against Dominia and the energy throughout the team got that response from the crowd. The crowd were up for it anyway, but the pace with which United sought to regain possession rubbed off and, and the strength of the challenges and massive roars greeting a kind of succession of strong tackles in the first half is, is one moment I remember particularly. And the the thing in, in defence as well as attack, the team played with just with conviction. And yes, Spurs didn't truly challenge our defence when we were pre- when they were pressing us. That made things easier, absolutely. But the off the ball positioning and the aggression from Varane, Martinez, Shaw, and and Dallo, and also the players defending in front of them meant Spurs were limited to just a, a couple of half chances. I felt this was one of the best 
post folks and performances that I can remember. And the, just the confidence that we'd win from early on, even at half time, Reds were buoyant in the stands and the concourses because of the display, not because of the result, which was still nil nil. But I think that that confidence in victory came from the confidence on the pitch. It was just, it was really, really good. Can it be replicated every week? No. Did Hal Spurs set up help United? Yes. But it was one to enjoy and to savour. As for specific players, outstanding would be the wrong words because everyone who played was excellent. But maybe I can reserve outstanding for one player. And that man is Luke Shaw. The, the quality of his passing from left back into the centre of the pitch was just exceptional. The visual, the, the, the vision and the execution, splitting the defence several times in each half with proper, brilliant vision and execution. It was really good. I'll, I'll leave Jack and George to dive into some more specifics and, and relish in, in this victory, but what a great match to watch. And, and my one final recommendation would be to go and watch Lissandra Martinez's interview that I watched back when I got back from Old Trafford. Uh, his interview with MUTV, he's asked about the fans chanting Argentina at the end of the match and his response is just wonderful. What a man, what a player and uh, what a game. think there's anywhere else we can really start other than Fred given everything that seemed to happen with him last night is sort of narrative throughout the evening I know before the game there was a lot of concern I would say amongst United fans for exactly why Fred was starting having not exactly t- torn the pitch up against Newcastle at the weekend also having been behind McTominay in the pecking order all season McTominay comes back from suspension is available and yet doesn't start and in the end we're all here probably saying Fred is man of the match yeah, it, it was quite surreal, wasn't it? I mean, it, last night I was doing the the fan reaction to the team news break, and you can imagine the uh, the general perception amongst United fans in yeah. response to Fred keeping his place was not the best, shall we say? There was a few uh, savoury comments, to say the least. But to be I was going to say, I bet, I bet you saw some some choice language in that. In that uh, review. I certainly did. I had to pick and choose carefully what could be published. Let's say that. Um, <laughs> but no, I was I was blown away by Fred. Last night, I must be honest, when when the team dropped and I saw his name included, I thought, risky, very risky, because obviously he'd had a difficult time of it on Sunday against Newcastle. And, you know, Fred's, he's often been a scapegoat quite unfairly for a lot of United's failures in recent years. And, you know, on Sunday, admittedly, he didn't have his best afternoon at the office. And to keep his place, I thought he was personally quite fortunate, particularly when Scott McTominay, to his credit, has improved quite quite significantly so far this season. And I actually said to a colleague of mine, how has Scott McTominay gone from being ahead of Casemiro to behind Fred in the space of a week and a bit? It was quite yeah. surreal. But Fred, he fully justified his inclusion, didn't he? He was, he was brilliant in, in leading the press from the midfield. He was, you know, picking some lovely passes in the first half, really driving that midfield forward. And of course, got his goal as well. So, you know, for a guy that was, was hounded and, you know, battered before kickoff, to have United fans singing about Fred tearing you apart, from the Stretford end <laughs> in the second half, it really did see his night go full circle. So a brilliant night for him. And, you know, it kind of laid down a marker, didn't it? That, you know, to Eric Ten Hag to say, look, I'm in the team. I'm here to stay. You Now you've got a challenge to get me out of this team because, you know, I can perform. I can compete in this midfield. 
and I've taken my chance when it's come my way. So for Fred, I mean, you know, Christian Eriksen obviously is going to be lingering in the background trying to get back in at the weekend against Chelsea. But Freddie certainly, you know, he's um, he's done his job. He's left his calling card, and for him, he will he will be fuming if he doesn't keep his place at Stamford Bridge at the weekend. He's created the best kind of problem a manager could ever wish for, having players in good form, all kind of vying for spots. And it's something to be fair that United haven't had enough of over the last few year, few years. Too often, there's been selection dilemmas for the opposite reason because you've got no faith in anyone in any of your options. And I think, to be fair, Fred has, has kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons in that midfield with that performance yesterday. I thought what was really striking, and this was sort of get us a little bit into the tactical setup, and this has been the case when Fred has played before this season as well. I remember Europa League game. I can't remember if it was against Sheriff or Real Sociedad, but when Fred played, he was playing almost as like a number 10. And it was the same again last night against, against Spurs. So often he'd be the most advanced midfielder, sometimes even the most advanced of all the United players. And, you know, it's something that we've, we've talked about quite a bit, Harry and I, in sort of the build-up to the season, thinking that Fred would be, an, although not a long-term kind of solution in that, in that midfield, we thought that he might have quite a big role to play under Ten Hag because he does provide that energy. He's very good defensively in terms of pushing the team forward, pressing high up the pitch. And yet the role that he's played is, is completely different to what we've expected. It's almost as if him and Ericsson's the roles that we expected them to have before the season, Ericsson probably being more of like an understudy to Bruno Fernandes playing as a number 10 and then Fred playing deeper in that sort of number eight role. They've, they've almost flipped in a way and Ericsson is the one playing that much deeper role and Fred is, is so advanced. I mean, in the build-up to uh, United's second goal, Fred is the most advanced player on the pitch as Casemiro and Anthony are, are bringing the ball forward. Yeah, I think it was certainly, you know, it was a, it was a surprising element that, wasn't it? Because obviously we've seen Ericsson, you know, almost to everybody's surprise, adopt kind of a, a deeper advanced midfield role obviously not quite in the you know in the the defensive midfield berth as it were but more of the number eight box-to-box roaming kind of the the shuttle between the defensive midfield berth and Bruno Fernandes's role but you know as you've said Jack Fred was quite high up uh, certainly in in certain aspects of United's play on on Wednesday evening and it it did come as a shock because we're not used to seeing him play as a such an advanced player because if you think back to the game against Real Sociedad in the Europa League uh, last month. Obviously, Fred actually that night played in the number 10 position with Ericsson reserved in the deeper role. And we all thought with Fernandes on the bench that night, it would be the other way around. But of course, Fred played in the higher role that night and it, it completely backfired. It didn't work at all. Whereas against Tottenham, you know, he, he got on the ball in advanced areas and, you know, he carried a real genuine threat. And he linked up nicely with Fernandes, particularly in that first half when United were really probing and pushing hard for that opening goal. And I personally thought it was working to a T. Tottenham, they didn't really know where Fred was. He was running the show. And it was just a complete mix match that we didn't expect. But from Eric Ten Hag's point of view, it was almost a tactical masterclass, completely bamboozled Tottenham and Antonio Conte. So for, for that point of view, it was just what United needed. And Fred, for me, last night, he, he was the best player on the pitch. I thought it was absolutely superb. I thought he was everywhere. Brilliant out of possession, brilliant in possession. And, you know, there was other honourable mentions too. Diogo Dallo, for instance, was superb. Casemiro was great. But Fred, you know, that unexpected element just to, you know, kind of be in the starting level after what had happened against Newcastle, thought his performance was absolutely superb. And for him now, as I said earlier on, that the target has got to be keeping his place in the team ahead of that trip to Chelsea on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's going to be the challenge, not just for Fred, but for a lot of these United players. 
you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I, I want to get across my excitement at, at what we saw last night, but we've had these kind of full storms a lot over the last few years. We've, we've felt like we've taken a big step forward and then, you know, you come out flat the next game and it just looks like the same dreary United that don't care enough and, you know, mm-hmm. are putting in the effort required and all this kind of stuff. And we've obviously, we've seen a couple of performances yeah. like that already this season. So I think we are seeing, it's, it's not like a linear improvement. You know, there's a lot of ups and downs, but I think we are seeing the, the general curve. It, it seems to be trending upward for me. I think the, again, the, the challenge is just getting that consistency into the game, which United haven't ever managed to, to kind of string together. And Chelsea at the weekend, it feels like a, a perfect opportunity to do just that. A team, again, like Spurs, in the top four race, also that play a pretty much identical system to Spurs at the moment, a system that we've just shown that we can play very well against. You know, this feels like a big opportunity for United to lay down a marker. And I mean, if we can go into the end of October, having beaten four of our uh, four out of the five top six rivals, I mean, that, that is a huge kind of stamp of authority from, from United, albeit the one loss was, wasn't exactly a, a small loss, let's say. No, I was just going to say, you know, you, you take out that Manchester City defeat, obviously, which we all know what happened. And, you know, most teams do go to the Etihad and, you know, come on the receiving end of a bit of a hiding. Yeah. But obviously with it being a derby, that sort of thing, it is obviously very different and feels a lot, lot worse. But since that Brentford defeat, the improvement has been there for all to see, except for that game at City. United have gone from strength to strength. We saw in the Liverpool game just over a week after the Brentford debacle that significant strides have been made in the space of you know nine days and then you know since then they've kicked on the Everton performance I thought was quite encouraging it featured a little bit of everything that night they're obviously coming back from really setback of conceding very early in the game losing Martial to injury they survived a bit of a bomb attacking bombardment towards the end the Newcastle game the first half admittedly wasn't great but the second half was was, was quite encouraging except for that killer touch in the final third which is obviously something that we we all know about yep. United struggle to score goals at a regular rate recently. But the game, you know, on Wednesday night against Spurs just was perfect from minute one. Eric Ten Hag, he got everything he wanted and some more. The press was there, the energy was there, the crowd was responding to it. And if you look at that, to carry it now into the Chelsea game, like you've said, having already beaten Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, you know, if they can go to Chelsea and get a result, it's a really encouraging one because I, I look back at the start of this week ahead of the Newcastle game. And I thought Newcastle, Tottenham, Chelsea, two at home, seven points from that would be a really respectable achievement for United yeah, this week. So if they can go to Chelsea and get a win, I think that's an excellent week for them. This whole this whole stretch really since the Man City game has been really, really important for United because coming off the international break with Man City at the Etihad, obviously getting you know pounded at the Etihad, like you said, as other teams, it will happen to other teams as well, but still obviously not, not a good look to be getting beaten like that by uh, City rivals. But then I think the way we've responded to that was going to be really important. And they haven't all been perfect. We've obviously sort of laboured past Omania twice and we should have been killing them off 4-5-0. But despite that, I do think the way that we've then gone about these games in the Premier League with not perfect, but performances with some positive aspects to them against Everton, against Newcastle, now obviously the really good performance against Spurs. I do think there is a lot of heart to take from this. And it was, it was really important for United because I think after that game at the Etihad, it, it would have been easy for our season to start to kind of fall off the rails, as we've seen in the past couple of Octobers when United have had some really bad results sort of strung together. And now you, you're looking at the table, it looks a lot more positive for United. And like you, you mentioned, could have 
a real big leg up if we manage to beat Chelsea at the weekend. I guess to to kind of move on to some other players in in particular, I think a couple that I wanted to to really highlight were were the other Brazilians in this United team, Anthony and Casemiro. They're two players, George, that we've we've talked a lot about on the podcast. Obviously, new signings. Anthony, very exciting, but quite clearly still very raw. What did you make of his of his performance, and how have you felt about his his time at United so far? Yeah, I think with Anthony, to be fair, you know, he's he's coming obviously for an astronomical transfer fee from Ajax, and you know, big expectations on his shoulders. For me, it was a signing that you know offered plenty of excitement and plenty of plenty of intrigue, to be honest, because you know. To myself, he wasn't a player that I knew an awful lot about, obviously seeing highlight reels and things like that. And you could sense that, you know, he was a player with excitement, plenty of flair, plenty of talent. But obviously, as with so many others of the past that have come from the, the Eredivisie, they've never really, you know, been able to get into full flight in the Premier League. But this lad, you know, he's a Brazilian international. You don't get that, achieve that by being nothing. So... And it's quite obvious, obviously, as we all know, Eric Ten Hag wanted him to strengthen that right-wing position more than anyone else. So it was obvious why he wanted him so much. But I think so far, you know, he's blown hot and cold in certain situations. In, in his first few games, I mean, the Arsenal, the Man City Premier League games, and obviously he scored in both. And the, the goal at City was something, you know, incredibly special. But I thought he went missing in both games, to be honest, even in the Arsenal yeah, I, game, which United won 3-1. He didn't really offer a lot, did he, other than his two goals, obviously. At City, he was, he was heavily criticised by Paul Scholes for failing to track back and cover Diogo Dallo. But in fairness to the lad, he wasn't alone that day. Nobody from the United team covered themselves in glory that afternoon. But since then, I think since the Everton game, his performance has been a lot more rounded and a lot more polished because we've seen much more to him than just his goals. And, you know, as a young lad that's obviously come to a, a massive club, massive fee, completely new culture. Obviously, it's helped him working again with a manager that he knows. But, you know, for a young for a young boy still, he's only 22. It must be absolutely enormous for what he's done. Just his life has changed dramatically in the space, you know, a few days in, in getting that deal done. But I think there's certainly plenty of promise and certainly potential in him that, you know, could make him a real, real star for United in years to come. And obviously, there's question marks about is he too predominantly left-footed at the minute? Yes. But as, we, as we've as we covered at the MEN, we, we've done a story recently that Eric Ten Hag is actually putting on extra training sessions after the, excuse me, after the main session for players oh, to practice getting stronger. Yeah, on their weaker foot. That is something that Eric Ten Hag has been doing recently. He's put on sessions after the main one. Uh, at Carrington just basically to try and get players stronger on the weaker foot and improve their game on that side so I think there's certainly potential for the young guy to really kick on because against Newcastle you know we saw some lovely pieces of skill some lovely trickery it was getting bums off seats in the crowd the game against Tottenham on Wednesday night he was inches away from scoring another superb goal in the first half was a constant threat and you know it's clear from the fact that Eric Ten Hag you know is not obviously, he's not massively rotated since he came in. Mean, even in the Europa League, he's refused to tinker too much. But we've seen a few variations of the front three in recent weeks, such as Martial through the middle at Everton to start with, Rashford on the left. And we've seen Rashford through the middle, Sancho out wide, Ronaldo through the middle. But Anthony, since he's come in, has been a permanent fixture on that right-hand side, which obviously tells the story that Eric Ten Hag clearly believes the best way to get him up to scratch is by playing him week in, week out, every game possible. 
So for me, I think there's a lot to be encouraged by early doors. Obviously, it's a huge fee. There is going to be big pressure on him. But the stats speak for themselves. He's got three goals in his first five Premier League games. So for him, it's been a perfect start. Just needs to show a little bit more in key areas. But he's a young boy and that will come. But overall, you know, you can can see why Eric Ten Hag wanted him so much, even though there is going to be question marks about the price. There's clearly a lot of trust there between Ten Hag and Anthony. And obviously that's been developed over a number of years at Ajax. I think sometimes I almost have to take a step back with Anthony and kind of remember how young he is. Like I, th- I think because of the fee and because he's been at, you know, albeit, you know, the Eredivisie isn't you know one of the very top leagues in Europe, but been at a big European club for a, a few years. I sometimes forget that he's only 22 and he doesn't, he doesn't look 22 either. He looks a lot older than that. And sometimes I, I, I watch him play and I think, come on, I want you to be more polished than this. I want you to be the finished article, but you know, he is only 22. He's still got a lot, a lot of time left to, to develop here. And I, I completely agree with everything you said about his performances, George. Ironically, I actually think the games where he scored have probably been his, his three worst performances for United in general. The Arsenal game, I thought he showed a few flashes, but. You know, I thought Zinchenko really controlled him really well. He didn't have much joy at all. There was a few sort of, like you said, nice little tricks and flicks, but nothing really in terms of actually getting the ball forward against Man City. He was, you know, isolated. The whole team was was sort of off that day. And then even Everton, he, he was he was better, but he still wasn't great. But actually, I, I think the the second game against Omonia and then Newcastle and this game against Spurs in particular, I thought it was excellent. There, he's just. You know, the United's whole tempo against Spurs was excellent, but especially against Newcastle, when there were times where United's tempo in the second half, especially, was sort of starting to drop off a little bit as the game kind of slowed down. Anthony was always that one injecting that spark, injecting that bit of extra tempo into the game. There were so many times he had some great turns past Dan Burns. Same thing against Perisic or Ben Davis on Tottenham's left-hand side of their defence last night. And I mean, both goals, Anthony is involved in the build-up. The first one, he's the one passing across the box to Sancho when Sancho eventually lays it off to Fred. And then the second one, it's Anthony's pass to Fernandez. It was a little bit over hit that ends up ricocheting to Fred and it eventually comes to Fernandez for the goal. You know, he is at the moment central to so much of, of United's attacking force. He is the one often that is kind of driving United forward. Yeah, I totally agree with that 100% because, you know, Eric Ten Hag we saw against Tottenham on Wednesday evening. He he had obviously given these players the clear instruction, similar to I thought to when they played Liverpool. There was a clearer message of get at Tottenham from the first whistle, put them on the back foot, drive at them, use that energy, use that pace. And when United play with that sort of high pressure, you, you are going to see the very best of Anthony because he wants to run with the ball, he wants to be quick, he doesn't want to be slowing things down. So if Man United obviously easier said than done task, certainly in the Premier League if can continue to play at a similar sort of pace and a tempo, certainly at home, you know, we're, we're going to see the best of this young lad. Yeah, 100%. And we, you know, we've talked a lot about how United, we've seen some improvements in terms of playing out from the back as well, which is only going to help Anthony too, because if you can sort of draw a team onto you, get them to press you a bit higher up the pitch and then spring a ball in behind that first line of defence, it's only going to create more space for Anthony to work in. The last thing we want is him to get the ball and be surrounded by three players and have you know only a couple of yards to work in. If you can get him one-on-one with, a, with his man and 10 yards of space to work in, he, he's going to skin people all day, every day. We just need to put him in those positions to, to allow him to do it. The, the other Brazilian that I wanted to, to mention as well was Casemiro. Obviously, another, another new side, another player that United probably played over, over the odds for. Different stage of his career. I, I think 
His first Premier League start was against Everton and it was very up and down. Some great moments, some really bad moments, but I thought, he, I think he's improved since then. I thought the Spurs game was probably his best in a United shirt so far. I would totally agree with that. He, you know, he, he produced everything against Spurs that you would expect from a player of Casemiro's quality. You know, obviously he came to Old Trafford, you know, kind of quite out of the blue. It happened quite quickly. Obviously United have been chasing Frankie Dion all summer, as we all know. Only too well, and us at the MEN, we eventually got sick of that one. In the end, it went on for so long. <laughs> God, I, I had enough of it on Twitter, and I wasn't even having to write about it. I, I can't imagine what you guys went through having to write about it all the time. Honestly, the time. I, I remember the night we broke that story. It was actually, I think it was the night of the FA Youth Cup final, and we were right. still banging on about it in mid-August. So that tells you everything. Oh. But no, Casemiro, I mean, as we know, he, he came in, obviously, with a... Uh, amazing reputation arguably one of the best defensive midfielders in the world over the last five six seven years or whatever it's been and you know there was obviously this clamour to see him straight from the off such as being United's need for a world-class player of his type for so long obviously Eric Ten Hag you know he refrained from throwing him straight in clearly wanted to just get him used to his new surroundings and United's way of playing and kind of wait take up a watching brief so to speak the City game, obviously, there were big question marks. Should he have started that game? Well, we will never know now. It's been, it's gone, it's done. But against Everton, as you said, we we saw, you know, ups and downs of his performance. And probably the biggest up was something that we were really expecting, which was his ability to really play the ball and pass the ball. It was a sumptuous yeah. assist for Ronaldo's goal, which, you know, obviously ultimately won United that game. But against Tottenham, it almost kind of went unnoticed what he was doing because, it, you know, it wasn't, Pretty, it wasn't glorious to watch, but it's what United have needed. They've needed that player in there to do the dirty side of the game, be robust, be a little bit nasty, and it's what he does. So for, for Eric Ten Hag, it seems now that he's got Casemiro up to where he wants to wants him to be, needs him to be. And for me now, that, that, that spot is his. There's no way that he can be dislodged from that position, that you know most defensive midfield position of the three. So I think Casemiro against Tottenham, for me, was... was arguably one of the best players on the pitch, along with two or three others. But, you know, you saw for the first time, I think, on, on Wednesday night that this was the reason why United made the decision to sign him because he he did a job that, you know, wasn't particularly incredible and fancy to watch, but it was effective and it made United, you know, Bruno Fernandes, to be fair, he said after the game last night, he, he praised five players. He praised the two fullbacks, the two centre-backs and Casemiro, saying that they yeah. were the key for United winning that game, which tells you everything. So, you know, we all looked at United last night. What was it? 28 shots they had in the end. But Fernandez, he recognised the players at the back and Casemiro was key in that. So for me yeah. now, he, he's only going to go from strength to strength here for, from here on in. Yeah, I've got to say at, at times, watching that sort of Casemiro-Varane duo, just the way they sort of snuffed out any danger that came, especially in the second half and we were sort of seeing out the game, it did remind me so much of... of Honestly, some quite frustrating Real Madrid games in the Champions League where they're a goal ahead and they just sort of kill the game. And then, you know, now they're doing it for United. It's like, wow, this is brilliant. I, I love watching this now. Yeah, Casemiro, the improvement has been immense. There was one one moment in particular, you mentioned doing some of the dirty work that sort of goes unnoticed. There's one in particular that I I, I wanted to pick up on. At, it was at 30 minutes and 10 seconds into the game, if anyone wants to go back and watch it. There was a moment when Spurs had a two-on-one in our right-back area with, with Perisic and Davis up against Dallow. And Casemiro so quickly spots the danger. He slides over to that side. He, he stops Perisic being able to play a pass inside to Kane. The ball gets forced out wide to Davis. 
And then Casemiro then cuts out Davis's attempted pass into Kane. Not only cuts out the pass, but then plays a brilliant reverse ball himself into Bruno Fernandes to set us away and out of that pressure. And, you know, I think you, you said it exactly right, George, that a, mid, a defensive midfielder whose work you don't really notice, it's been far too long since United have had someone like that. All of our defensive midfielders, you normally notice them far too much, usually for not great reasons. I don't want to take the gloss off of this, but obviously given that you are, you're in the media working for the MEN, what do you make of the Ronaldo situation and how Ten Hag is, is handling it? He obviously walked off the pitch last night. I, I've been quite impressed with how Ten Hag has handled the Ronaldo scenario so far, but especially from your perspective being in the media, how, how do you think he's handled it? How is it sort of coming across? Well, personally, I, I thought, you know, when he did his post-match interview last night with the rights holders in Amazon Prime, I thought he, you know, he hit the nail on the head perfectly, to be fair to him. And he, he was asked what was his verdict, basically, on the situation. And he just said, I'll deal with that tomorrow. I want to celebrate my team's victory tonight. And it is quite clear that Eric Ten Hag, you know, he wants to focus on the bigger picture. It's not all about Cristiano Ronaldo and... We can talk for, for months, we could talk for years about what Cristiano Ronaldo's achieved in the game. It is spectacular, it's sensational. He will go down in history as possibly the greatest of all time. But nobody is bigger than the football club. It's as simple as that. So I think Eric Ten Hag, you know, up to now has handled the situation very, very well. He's made it clear that nobody is, you know, to effect, effectively mess around with what he wants to do. He's the boss. He's laid down the law from the very beginning that he wants high standards. He is big on discipline. I think he proved that with obviously making the players run 13 kilometres after yeah. the Brentford game. That was, that was very clear that, you know, if you don't adhere to the standards I set, you, you're going to be punished for it. So Cristiano Ronaldo will hold talks with Eric Ten Hag and it will be interesting to see what happens for him. But for me personally, to see a player do that, you know, your teammates are tuning up have produced a magnificent performance against a team, let's not forget, a second in the league, well, joint second, shall we say, you know, had been absolutely fantastic. He was obviously disappointed that he'd been dropped from the weekend, disappointed they didn't get on the field. But to, you know, just up sticks, head down the touchline, head back into the changing room, and then it would have left the stadium before the game had even finished. It shows a huge lack of disrespect for me. I think, to be honest with you, I think it's quite, quite disgusting, to be fair. Yeah. So... Personally, I think Eric Ten Hag should make an example of him and, and make it clear that, you know, you do that. You are not part of my plans. Nobody, as I say, is bigger than the football club. I don't know what you think on that, Jack, because obviously you're, you are a United supporter. So I'll be interested what you think. But for me, I, I think he should be made an example of and left out the sport at the weekend. No, I, I'm completely with you on this. I think, look, I, I don't begrudge Ronaldo being frustrated by his situation at the moment. I think... No one likes to be sat on the bench, especially a player like Ronaldo, who has has done everything in the game. You know, obviously has he has a big ego, but probably one of the few players that can afford to have such a big big ego because he does kind of back it up on the pitch. I, I do completely understand that. I think what gets me is this isn't just disrespectful or sort of making a point to Eric Ten Hag. Like more than anything, this is disrespectful and a complete just lack of anything towards your own teammates like forget the manager for for a second like you've got players in here that you've been playing with now for over a season players especially like say Bruno Fernandes Diogo Dallo players you play with literally the whole season with Portugal as well you have a responsibility to them as well they've just put in their best performance of the season 
And you're then not even there. You've left the stadium before they even get back into the change room. Like that is just completely disrespectful. It, it even just imagine at your own work, if you've just put in, you know, your absolute best work of the year and you, and your boss doesn't even look at it, doesn't even want to give you the time of day. Like you, you would feel completely disrespected, completely deflated. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I couldn't agree more, more with everything you said, George. I, I would not be at all disappointed if he was left out of the squad for the Chelsea game. And to be honest, Ronaldo knows how to play the media and sort of this game better than almost anyone. But I actually thought he played it really poorly against Spurs because this wasn't the time to make a point like that. There's been plenty of opportunities, like say the Man City game, where if he'd have done something like this, it would have made a point. And I think he probably would have had a lot of people on his side because Man United were playing very badly. This was not the time to do it after the best performance of the season because all you've done is isolated yourself even more and shown yourself quite frankly, not in this with the rest of the team when they're playing well without you. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Jack. I couldn't agree more, to be honest with you, mate. You look at the situation Man United are in and you go back to the saw, which obviously was the, the beginning of a brand new era, a complete reset from, from top to bottom, obviously. Certain individuals were cut out of the squad and shown the exit door, Paul Pogba, to name just one. And then obviously, you know, Eric Ten Hag came in, everybody was looking forward to a big new beginning. There was a lot of excitement around the club, obviously, after a really, really poor season last year. And obviously the whole Ronaldo thing kicked off through the summer about his future. He ended up staying at the club where, personally, I think, obviously United did, you know, United, from their point of view, they said they wanted to keep him. But obviously there was question marks about who could actually take him and who could afford him in terms of his wages. But, you know, his contract's up at the end of the season. United do have the option of an additional year. There's no way that's going to be triggered. They are, there's, there's no way that there's no way that Eric Ten Hag is going to want somebody of this attitude in and around the squad. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, if you're Fred, if you're whoever you are, whatever club you're playing for, if you're walking out of the ground before your team's even finished the game, you know, having played as you said, absolutely superb, leading two 0 it just shows a complete lack of disrespect to the whole club, not just the team, not just the team. Yeah not just Eric Ten Hag. So for me, personally, I don't see how Ronaldo possibly comes back from this. Really, obviously, we know that the players are not going to come out in the media and slag him off. We know that's not going to happen. But behind closed doors and in the dressing room, it does make you wonder what will they be saying in conversation with each other? Because, you know, there are going to be people in there that will be genuinely missed and very, very disappointed that he's done that because he's almost used that to, to make a point in the fact that I'll try and make this all about me again. When, let's be honest, United are going to be around a lot, lot longer than Cristiano Ronaldo is going to be at that football club. Right. And that, to be fair, I think I've always been very, very sceptical of, of all this kind of hoopla that gets thrown around about how much Ronaldo loves Man United and all this kind of stuff. I don't doubt that, that he does like Man United. Obviously, became the best player in the world there. Has a lot of good memories there, especially his connection with Sir Alex Ferguson. But... Let's not forget that, at least if stories are to be believed, he was on the verge of joining Man City. He basically forced his way out of United back in 2008 and 2009 to get that move to Real Madrid. And he's come back, all right, yeah, you know, he played well last season. He was, in some ways, sort of saved our season from being even worse than it could have been. But even the way he dealt with everything last summer, like, again, I don't begrudge Ronaldo at all at this stage of his career wanting to play Champions League football. I completely understand that desire. But... We knew United weren't going to be in the Champions League back in April. So why did it take until July 
for you to come out and actually say, oh, I want to leave the club. That makes me think it wasn't actually about the Champions League. It was more about you didn't like the way the manager came in and probably, what, like you mentioned, you had this very this new focus on discipline that Ronaldo probably didn't want, want to deal with at this stage of his career. So I've always, been, I've always just been very sceptical of, of this sort of love that he claims to have for United. And I think he puts himself above whatever club he's playing for. And like I said, he's kind of earned the right to do that in some ways. But at this point, he isn't vital to Man United on the pitch, so he can't get away with it anymore. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing. To, to move away a little bit and get back onto the positive, what, just to look ahead, sort of last thing, what can United do? How, like, how do United sustain this now? Because I think that is going to be the ultimate challenge for Eric Ten Hag. Because I mentioned earlier, we've seen United put in good performances before. We've had great runs under Solskjaer. We had some good times under Van Gaal. Even the very start of the Ralph Rangnick reign, there was a couple of good games here and there, but we've never managed to string it together. How, what does Ten Hag do now? How do United keep this going? Looking ahead uh, imminently, obviously, that game with Chelsea at the weekend is a big game. It's always a big game when those two meet. Chelsea have been steadily improving under Graham Potter. They've been good at the the back like United have recently. So I think that game, you know, is kind of a kind of a bit of a one-off where if, you know, United go there and lose that game, for instance, not saying they will, I don't think there, there should be reason for, for mass panic unless it's a bit absolute disaster like City was, but I can't see that happening. Yeah. But away from that Chelsea game, you look further forward at the next few games, obviously they've got Sheriff at home in the Europa League next Thursday, then they've got West Ham at home, a potentially big game with Sociedad, and they've got Aston Villa away, then they've got Fulham away, Forest at home after the World Cup in that first game back. You know, United's next crop of league games after that Chelsea game is quite a favourable run. And when you consider that they've already toppled the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham and Liverpool this season, United should be going into those games with a huge amount of confidence, really. Obviously, we know the game, you know, West Ham, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, they're not going to be easy no game in the Premier League is ever easy. But United have proven against Spurs that they have set a benchmark now. They've got to try and consistently perform at that level. They've proven that if they play with a relentless press, come out yeah. with a high tempo, that you know, not many teams are going to be able to withstand that amount of pressure. Tottenham, if it wasn't for Hugo Lloris last night, they could have easily lost that game three or four nil. So Eric Ten Hag, you know, he's still building obviously a process, he's still embedding his philosophy. But there has been evident signs in recent weeks, even in that draw with Newcastle on Sunday, even in, you know, the, the narrow 1-0 wins at Southampton and Leicester, United have been going up through the gears and the improvement has been consistent ever since that Brentford thrashing. Yeah. So I just think it's a case of carry on what they're doing. I think there's been a lot to like, but the Tottenham game, you know, that's just raised the pressure a, a little bit more in the sense that we've shown what we can do now. We've now got to prove we can keep at this level. But, you know, if Eric Ten Hag can maintain their standards, get a couple of players back, such as Anthony Martial, Eriksen should be back in the fall come the weekend, they should only get stronger. So I think, you know, people will always look back at the start of Eric Ten Hag's era and think of that Brentford game. Yeah, it was a disaster. It was a nightmare. But since then, I think the strides they've made in, you know, two months has been pretty significant. And it's been enjoyable to watch because this club has obviously, you know, he struggled for too long in his position as a, as a club in the, in this country, but there are signs that, you know that there's a, there's exciting times ahead. So it's not going to happen overnight, but I think the next you know the next couple of years we're really going to see United kick on under Eric Ten Hag. Patience will be required at times, but I think that win over Tottenham proved that Ten Hag he is getting what he wants from his players, and they're adhering to what he wants as well. So at the minute, 
I think it's looking like a decent match made in heaven, this one. Yeah, 100%. I, listen, I, I've got to say, I've been so impressed with Ten Hag so far, not just on the pitch, the way he's dealt with everything off the pitch as well. I think he's laid his, his stamp down on Man United and it seems like he's getting buy-in from players, which we haven't seen. Well, not from all the players, everyone except Ronaldo, it seems like. But from everyone else, it seems like he's getting buy-in, which is something that I think previous managers have have struggled with. George, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, mate. For anyone that, that wants to hear, hear more from you, from both your articles on the MEN and the podcast, where can everyone find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter at uh, underscore George Smith 99 or they can just head to the MEN website and uh, search my name and you'll probably find some of my articles crop up. Seems like I'm never away from that place at the minute. So uh, <laughs> it just seems to be a game every day at the minute. It's been a relentless period. So uh, there's plenty of coverage on Saturday for the Chelsea game again. Yeah, I mean, as, as United's schedule goes, your schedule goes as well. I don't envy you in that in that regard, mate. Will you be doing similar kind of shift for the World Cup as well? Um, I've actually got the first week of the World Cup off. I'm actually taking oh, a break lovely. for that, but uh, we'll see what happens from, uh, from you know, kind of the, the round of 16 stage onwards. I'm off for, I think, for the whole of the group stage, which is quite nice. But uh, it'll be a challenging time for us as the last international break was, was difficult because obviously... United went so long without a game with the Queen oh, passing yeah. away and that was a really challenging time for us but they've made up for it now by giving us a game practically every 72 hours. So. <laughs> and because of those cancellations that's probably going to carry on for the rest of the season as well. Oh definitely. It's, it just seems to be relentless at the minute. It's it, it's just you know one game after another just never seemed to stop at the minute. So, But it's all good fun and you know when yeah. United are winning playing well it always makes the job a lot like easier. I was, I was just about to say, yeah, hopefully United can give you some more entertaining games to to, to write about. Season was a challenge. Let's let's not beat about the books <laughs> last year. It was difficult, yeah. very difficult. Yeah. Challenge is a, it's probably slightly less strong word than, than most of us would use. <laughs> yes. But also, also make sure to, to check out George's podcast, The Championship Chat as well. There's great content over there for all of the news and updates about the second tier of English football as well. George, I know you're a big Sheffield Wednesday fan, so I hope they continue to do well all season as well. Yeah, fingers crossed we can get back into the Championship. That's the uh, that's the ultimate goal for up this year, so fingers crossed. But yeah, both United and Wednesday are doing fine at the minute, so a good front, you know, professional and uh, social as well, so all good. Lovely, mate. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. Everyone, please go check out George's Twitter and podcast. And George, thank you so much. We'll talk to you all again after the Chelsea game. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.